Hey there, friends. Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. All of us at one point or another have suffered an embarrassing or humiliating defeat. You may even feel that you're in that state right now, that you've lost so badly that you might never fully recover. Today, we're concluding our series called Hey Friend, and Pastor Nicole has a powerful message to remind us that no matter how much we've screwed up in our past or even here in our present, Jesus truly hasn't given up on you. Let's get right to it today. Here's Pastor Nicole. So there is a club um, in America, and I'm wondering if maybe even someone in this room could be part of the club. Uh, There's 50,000 people registered, and it's called the Jim Smith Club. And there's only one requirement to join the group, and it's that your name must be Jim Smith. And every year, this is a real life club, they meet all over the country at these places called the Jim Smith Fests. They don't need name tags. They don't need introductions. Hi, I'm Jim Smith. So am I. They just call Jim. Everybody looks, right? They're all named Jim Smith. Now, one of the highlights of the convention, I thought this was epic, is a softball game in which everyone participating uh, is obviously named Jim Smith. And so they get a big kick out of announcing every batter when they come up. And now, coming to the plate, Jim Smith. <laughs> and then they give out awards. The best batter, Jim Smith. The, the best umpire, the MVP of the softball game, none other than Jim Smith. All right, I thought this was a lot funnier than you guys are thinking, but to me, it was just hysterical. Um, but why I tell you this is because names are important. Your name is important. Our name sets us apart. It gives us a way to identify ourselves among crowds of people, not at the Jim Smith Fest, but everywhere else. And in the scripture, names are really important too. And I want us to look at that today. Um, In the Old Testament, there were two people. One was named Abram and Sarai, and they were renamed Abraham and Sarah. Maybe you know them better as Abraham and Sarah. And this happened right after God renews his covenant with them to make Abraham the father of a multitude of nations. So it was like new promise, new name, new identity. New promise, new name, new identity. And it happens again when Jacob was renamed Israel right after he spent a night wrestling with God. He encountered God, and as a result, his name changed. He was no longer Jacob, the deceiver. He became Israel, the one who wrestles with God. Okay, so he has this encounter with God, and his name changes. I love this moment in Revelation 2. Verse 17, God is speaking prophetically through John to the churches, and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. So you know what this means is that when you get to heaven, one of the things, we don't know if this will be figuratively or literally, you will get a white stone with a new name on it. Because you have a new identity. You went from being a child of Adam, you're saved, redeemed, set free to a child of God, and you get a new name. Isn't that pretty cool? And so I love what Revelation 2 talks about. God sees the significance in a name. You might not like your own name, you might uh, not see the significance in your name, but God sees it. And he actually puts quite 
quite a bit of emphasis on it in the scripture if you begin to study it. It's not just the idea of that your literal name is important, although it is. It's this idea that when God meets you, your name changes, but so does your identity, right? So does who you are, the very core of who you are, and you become who you were always meant to be. So we're in this series, today's the last uh, day of the series actually called Hey Friend, and it's all about these messages that Jesus wants to communicate to us, what I believe Jesus would want to tell us uh, today, and this is one of them. I know that Jesus wants you to know and for me to know that he has not given up on you, that Jesus has not given up on you. And so no matter how your life looks today, no matter how much of a mess you feel like you're in, no matter how many times you have failed or restarted, maybe this is your first time here today, maybe this is your 2,000th time, and like there's a little dent in the seat that you sit in every week. Let me tell you what, Jesus has not given up on you. Jesus has not given up on you. And there's this great example in the scripture uh, that Jesus communicates this truth to us through a man in the New Testament. And there was a guy, his name was Simon. Now, Simon means the hearer. He, he hears, maybe he hears from God. Um, now, Simon, we, what we know about him is he was an average kind of guy, an average Joe. He was a fisherman by trade. Uh, there wasn't a lot that made him stand out uh, in his little fishing community. Um, we know from the scripture he had a bit of a temper. Uh, maybe some of you can identify with that. He was a little bit impulsive. Uh, you didn't want to cross him, okay? Uh, we also know he was fun. He was friendly. He knew everyone's name in the village. Uh, he, he maybe had some good intentions, but uh, maybe made some promises that he didn't keep very well. If you've ever taken our foundations class or you have ever done a personality test, on the disc profile, Simon would have been the I, okay? The guy that brings the party to the place, okay? He, he knows everyone's name and he's excited about it and he's maybe spontaneous and impulsive. This is the, kind of the picture of who Simon is. Um, and so what's happening is Simon is in the city and the talk of the town is that the, a Messiah was coming. And everyone was waiting, and everyone was looking for him, especially Simon and his brother Andrew. And one day, Jesus arrives in town, and this is what happens. Let's look in John 1, 42 through 40, 41 through 42. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. First of all, I love that moment. Andrew's like, Jesus is here. Let's go get Simon and bring the party. <laughs> you know, come on, Simon, let's go. Let's go meet Jesus. And so they go meet Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. The first time Jesus has an encounter with Simon, I want you to watch and see what happens. Jesus looks at him and says, you are Simon, son of John. And I'm sure Simon was like, yeah what up? You know, it's me. Yes. Have you heard about me? I know I'm funny. You know, like I'm Simon, son of John. And he looked at him and said, now you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now just be in the moment with me for a minute. That's quite a first impression. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know your real name, but that's not what I'm going to call you anymore. I mean, I know I just met you a second ago. But this is your new name. Your new name is Cephas, which is Aramaic, or in Greek, it's Petros, and we translate Petros to Peter. And both Cephas and Petros mean the same thing. They mean rock. Okay, steady, solid, responsible, rock. And I'm sure Simon, now Peter, is thinking, oh, 
this guy doesn't really know who he's talking to. I mean, of all the things you can call me, uh, I'm the guy who changes my mind all the time. I'm late to everything. I question the world. I can't commit. I have all these things going on. I mean, just like rock isn't really like the name that I think you should associate with me. And he's thinking in his mind, maybe this is a joke. Maybe Jesus is just picking, you know, the opposite of like what he really knows that I am. And Jesus' intention for this new name, it was more than just a nickname. Okay, Jesus isn't saying to Peter, oh, I've got another disciple called Simon the Zealot. Uh, let's just pick a name, Peter. <laughs> you know, he doesn't say that. He says, look, he looks at him very intently and he says, look, Peter, I know you inside and out. This new name is no mistake. He knew Peter's weaknesses. He knew he was impulsive and hot-tempered and unreliable. He knew all of Peter's mistakes and failed efforts. Think about this for a minute. Jesus knew all of Peter's past mistakes, his present mistakes, and all the mistakes he was going to make. He knew all that. And he looked at him right at him, and he said, look, this is what I'm going to call you because I know what you ought to be. I know the potential in you. I'm going to call that out in the moment that he meets Jesus. And I love this because what we're missing sometimes is that what happens is the moment we meet Jesus, the moment we meet Jesus, he looks at us and he says, oh, I put things inside of you that I put potential inside of you and dreams and visions and hope and purpose, and I'm going to call that all right out of you. And you're not even going to know it. You're not even going to agree with me sometimes that I could even be those things. But Jesus knows the core of his identity and the very core of who he was because Jesus created him. And Jesus has never given up on Simon Peter. And even more than that, Jesus sees the potential long before Simon Peter will ever see it in himself. Jesus sees that and calls that out. And that's what Jesus does for you. And that's what Jesus does for me all our lives long. Are you thankful that all our lives long, he sees the potential in us. He, he believes the best in us. He equips us to fulfill our highest calling. And he never says, oh, there she goes again. Or there, there he goes again. He always looks at us and sees that potential in him. Joel and I, uh, one of the things we love watching is a, a feel-good sports flick. Anybody watch feel-good sports flick? There's nothing like Remember the Titans or Glory Road to get your weekend off going. Nobody, nobody in the first service admitted it either. All right, anyway, the commonality of these movies, the, they're always kind of end the same. I know they're pretty predictable. But the commonality in these type of movies is the coach, Right? There's always the coach that arrives on the scene and believes in the team and says, oh, you know, you guys are destined for failure, but I believe in you. And the coach believes in them and pushes them forward and speaks hope and vision and, and the team succeeds. All right, let me just give you a couple examples so that you guys can admit that you watch these two. Uh, Tom Hanks in A League of Their Own. There's no crying in baseball, okay? There is no crying in baseball. That was his favorite line. Um, uh, I watched this when I was younger. Uh, Emilio Estevez, he takes a band of misfit kids, and who does he turn them into? The Mighty Ducks. See, I got your, I'm reading your mail. These guys are here. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks. Uh, there is no Rocky without Apollo Creed, <laughs> all right? He gets his fire back, <laughs> and, and without Apollo Creed, Rocky uh, doesn't know if he can do the things that he's destined for. And then lastly, maybe my favorite is Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel to be the karate kid. There's no karate kid without Mr. Miyagi. Have you ever wished that you had someone to believe in you like that? 
Like someone who believed in you beyond what your eyes could see. Somebody who believed in you past what you know about who you are and about your life. Well, I want you to know today that Jesus does. That Jesus hasn't ever given up on you. He sees everything you are. He sees everything you could be. He sees everything that will happen in the future. And he cares about you more than any of those human coaches ever could. Even Mr. Miyagi, believe it or not. (laughs) Jesus cares for you and he knows those things about you. And he sees the potential in you. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And he wants us to transform. He wants us to change. And that's what he did for Peter, too. He said, look, uh, I see you are, you, you were Simon. Now you're Peter. You're going to be the rock. But you're going to have to do some work to get there. I want you to transform. I want you to change into everything that I designed you to be. So how do we do that? How do we engage in the process of transformation? How do we change? How do we be different and more holy? We, we can never, now I don't want you to hear that. We can use this excuse to think, well, if Jesus hasn't given up on me, then I can fail and sin and, and live my life however I want, and he'll always just be there. You know, Jesus says, look, I love you too much to leave you this way. And I haven't given up on you, but you, I want you to become, I want you to become the rock. I want you to become uh, the, the potential that I see in you. So here are some things we have to do first. It's interesting to note that Peter um, was an obvious leader of the disciples. His name stands first in every list of the disciples in the New Testament. And he was one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was with Jesus when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, In fact, in a lot of places in the scripture, Peter's there. Sometimes he's doing really crazy things like cutting people's ears off and, and you know, he, he's doing his spontaneous thing, but he's there, okay? And this is what struck me about that. He was just with Jesus, like a lot. He was just with him. Like he would just find ways to be with him. And that's part of the transformation process. Just be with Jesus. Like get to church like you are. Go on a retreat, Plug into a group, go on a missions trip, set aside time every day to read God's word and to pray. Just be with Jesus. You can't be around Jesus too long without changing. You can't be around in Jesus' presence for very long without it starting to, to challenge your thoughts and challenge your, how you're looking at things. Just be with Jesus. Another part of transformation is learning to trust Jesus on all kinds of levels, in all kinds of circumstances. I wonder if maybe... You're walking through something right now, and that feels very hard, and you're thinking, okay, but why is this happening? Uh, I'm frustrated. Where is God in this moment? And you know what? God is using that to change you. Like, God is using that exact thing, that difficulty, that broken relationship, that desperate need that you have. He is using that for Jesus to teach you to trust him. He's using it as a tool of transformation. And so what if you thanked God for that hard thing? What if you changed your perspective and said, God, I thank you for this hard thing in my life because you're using it to help me change, to be more, have have the potential you've put inside of me to do what you've called me to do. And the third thing is, we're going to talk a little bit more about Peter understood a lot about this, but when you sin, when you fail, because we all will, when you fall short of God's standard of holiness, to confess and repent, to confess and repent. Repentance just means to change. Uh, to, to turn 180 degrees, to ask God for forgiveness humbly and ask God for help to change, to do things different if you did it wrong the first time or the second time or the third time, to say to the Lord, I want to be different. I want to change. I want to repent for what happened and I want to do it different. 
Now, Peter, he understands this, okay? He understands failing. In fact, if Jesus changing his name was a highlight reel of, of his life, um, the next, this next moment I'm going to talk about is like a blooper to cut. In fact, I, I often daydream a little bit about like what Peter is saying. Like, did you really have to leave this in there, <laughs> you know, for like the whole, everyone to read for all of history that, uh, about my failure? Uh, couldn't we cut this one out? But God leaves it in there, I believe, because he has a message for us through Peter's failure. So I want us to look at this moment in Peter's life. In John 18, uh, Peter is bragging openly about how strong his faith is. He's like, look, even if everyone else falls away, I will follow Jesus. <laughs> like, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I, I would never do what those, those guys are doing to you. I would never do that. He's confident, a bit arrogant, and strong. And a few hours later, a teenage girl proves him to be completely weak. I just love that. And under pressure... This bold apostle melts like butter. And the girl says, um, are you one of these men who are with Jesus? And Peter says, uh, who? <laughs> like, I don't know, Jesus? Sounds familiar, but I'm not sure who you're talking about. No, I wasn't with him. And three times, not once, but three separate times, Peter denies the Lord. And it says in Luke twenty-two sixty-one 61, that moments later, Jesus was brought out from his trial before the high priest and the Lord looks and turns and looks at Peter. And Peter has this moment that the full impact of his sin hit him. And he, and he weeps bitterly and he goes outside and he's repentant and he's remorseful. And I wonder if maybe anyone in this room have had that experience. I know I have. Where you have this moment of, I can't believe what I've done. And Peter's on his face just, just weeping and saying, how could I have done that? How could I have ever turned away from my friend, from my Savior, from my Lord, and, and he's weeping. And Jesus looks at Peter, and it wasn't this condemning look. It wasn't this sneering look or this frustrated look. I believe Jesus wasn't thinking, uh, come on, I just gave you a new name. What are you doing? I believe that Jesus was thinking, Peter, listen, you're so much more than this. I believe in you. Like, I see what's inside of you. I, I believe in you. I will not give up on you, even though you're weeping and in your place right now. You know, Jesus knew Peter completely. He, this just blows my mind. He knew Peter would deny him three times, but he still called him the rock. He knew that moment was coming in Peter's life story. And today, Jesus knows. Jesus knows you're dishonest sometimes. Jesus knows the name of the people that you call on Peach Street when they're not moving fast enough. Jesus knows what you look up on the internet when you're alone. Jesus knows the kind of thoughts that you have about people in your life. Jesus knows those things. Let me tell you, Jesus knows. You cannot hide things from the king of the universe. But let me tell you something else. Jesus hasn't given up on you. Jesus hasn't given up on you. Jesus gives you a new name the instant you commit your life to him. And like Peter, you're still going to do stupid things, but he is using even those things to transform your weakness. After the first service, uh, somebody came up to me afterward and said, you know, when you said you're still going to do stupid things, you looked right at me. <laughs> I was like, that was the Holy Spirit because, so nobody take it personally. If I looked at you, maybe the Lord's talking about your stupid things. But here, here's what I know for sure. You can't stay the same after you meet Jesus. 
You won't want to. You won't want to. You will want to become all the things that Jesus wants for your life, but Jesus won't give up on you as you work through the process. Isn't that good news? Is anybody thankful for that this morning? That Jesus won't give up on us as we're changing. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Okay, let's look at one more part of Peter's life this morning. Um, it's amazing because so Peter d- denies Christ, um, and after he had followed him for three years, they had all that conversation and all those life experiences, and he conf- you know, just showed Jesus how much he loved him. And Peter's final act uh, was to deny Christ. And as far as Peter knew, uh, he didn't think he would ever see Jesus again. Like Jesus' death was scheduled for the next morning. And so Peter... Uh, who, who is the rock, he must have had a very difficult night the night before Jesus was crucified on the cross. I, I imagine he didn't feel like a rock at all. He probably felt like a puddle. Because as far as he knew, he would never get the chance to say to Jesus, I'm sorry for, for, for denying you. He, he had lost that chance. And in Mark 16, um, it records the morning of the third day after Christ was crucified. Now, we know uh, that Christ rose from the dead, and, and we talk about it every Easter, and, and we know that happened. But in those mo- moments, um, the, they didn't see the end of the story. Okay, so they were kind of hanging in the balance of what was going to happen. But it says in Mark 16 that the women were at Jesus' tomb, and an angel rolled the stone away to show that Jesus was not there. He is risen. Um, and we often read that at Easter. But in Mark 16, 6, there's a verse um, that wrecks me every time I read the Easter story, and, and I'm going to show you it today, and I hope it messes you up too, because my goal every week is just mess you up with the Word of God. I mean, just, I want you to leave here messed up that, that, that the Word of God says these things, okay? So this is what it says. Watch this. The angel says to the women who were there, verse 6, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified, but he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples, look at this, and Peter. Some translations read, especially Peter, that he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Go and tell the disciples, especially Peter, the only person called out by name to make sure he gets the message. It's as if all of heaven watched Peter fail, and all of heaven couldn't wait to help him get back up. It is as if that he was saying, listen, be sure to tell Peter. Be sure Peter knows, because Jesus hasn't given up on him. And I believe so much that we see in the scripture Peter's failure so that we can read this verse and see that Peter has has had this moment of failure, but his failure has not stopped the love of God. And your failure has not stopped the love of God. Your failure has not stopped the love of God. Jesus has not given up on you. Jesus has not given up on you. After that, Jesus rose from the dead and he reappears to do just a few things on earth. He has just a short list of things. He doesn't stay for very long before he ascends into heaven. But I can imagine uh, on this short list of things he wanted to do before he went to heaven to rule and to reign forever, one of them, one thing Jesus made sure to do 
was to restore Peter, to redeem Peter, to do whatever it takes to get Peter to the potential that Jesus saw in him. God made Peter firm and strong and stable and certain. The old had become transformed and beautified by grace. And we watch in the scripture where Peter goes on to see visions. He writes books in the New Testament. He's instrumental in ushering in the Holy Spirit. He preaches and thousands of people are saved. He, it says he performs miracles. He spreads the church of Jesus Christ as we know it today. And in Mark, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against this. God will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to call out the potential in you and to transform you into the man or into the woman that God has created you to be. He will use your strengths. He will use your weaknesses if, he if you let him. He will change your name. He will, he will change your identity, but Jesus hasn't given up on you. The most powerful name in the universe is the name of Jesus. We talk about names today. And how I wanna end this service today is I wanna just close by singing this worship song and declaring that Jesus is the name above all names. Would you stand with me this morning? I feel like this morning, I just wanna encourage you as we sing this last song. If you just wanna say, you know what, God, uh, I just wanna, today you've just reminded me you haven't given up on me. Today I just wanna uh, say, God, I want everything you want for me. I want all the potential that you have uh, for my life. I want it all to fulfill. Everything I have is yours. It might not feel like a lot, but everything I have is yours. I just wanna um, encourage you to come to the altar this morning. You can socially distance and make sure that we're not, uh, you know, we're being safe this morning, but I do wanna just encourage you to respond to the Holy Spirit this morning. Just respond like, God, I, I want everything. I want the name on the rock in heaven and I'll do whatever it takes, God. I'll change, I'll transform, I'll work those things out. But God, I want to just declare that you are the name above all names and I trust so much that you love me. So let me pray for us and let's sing this this morning. Father God, I come before you and I, I'm so amazed at what you do with broken vessels like us. But God, we want everything that you have for our lives. We don't want to waste a minute. We don't want to waste a year. We don't want to waste a decade trying to figure out uh, because of a failure that we made. God, we know that you take our failures and you forgive them if we confess and we repent. But God, you turn them into moments where we can move forward. It can be launched from them. And God, that you showed us in the scripture that you work so hard to redeem the failures of Peter, God. And I believe that's just such an example for us that God, we are never lost. There's never, a not our potential is never, uh, been totally drained. God, you put inside of us everything you meant us to be and you look down and you see that in us and you have not given up on us. And so this morning, we're just grateful for that. We're thankful for that, for a God that's so big, so much bigger than our failure, so much bigger than the, than the things that we mess up. God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. You are the powerful name of Jesus.
Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.